What's happening? My friends, Dr. Drew with the Making Motivation Podcast. Got some numb lips going here. So it's 3 p.m., a little after 3 p.m. on a shitty, uh, snowy at least, stormy, February 1st, 2021. And I got my truck loaded up. With the friggin' snowblower, I'm heading down to the office here. See what's going on. Alright. Heading down Little Ingram's Hill here, which is a very treacherous stretch of land. So, wish me well. Not gonna hit the brakes. I'm gonna proceed very, very slowly. So that we can friggin' get down to the bottom safely. Probably shouldn't even be podcasting, but all I am doing is running my mouth, so. No big deal. Okay, looks like I made it down. That guy is a local farmer friend of mine. I haven't talked to him in a while, but he's got a gigantic plow on the front of his John Deere. Man, I wish that he could follow me down to the office and help me freaking plow out of this shit. What a pain in the ass, you know? So we've already had about a foot of snow, and I think that we're going to have another foot, they say, by morning. And maybe this is going to continue until about... Uh, the afternoon tomorrow, so I'm just going down to try to do a little conflict resolution, put in some hard work now, a couple hours of it, so that I can show up tomorrow and not have to shovel so much. This guy's got a tractor too, look at him. What's up, Peter? So I got the friggin' my little snowblower humming, it's idling in the back. Just warm that baby up, head on down to the office, see what I can do for myself and my neighbor with the hair salon, Broad Hair Eisens. So, and honestly, I ain't got shit else to do anyway. I've done a lot of schoolwork, um, I've done a bunch of paperwork. My office staff, I appreciate them putting in some time scheduling and rescheduling patients for who knows when. I was going to try to go open up the office tomorrow afternoon, but I think that most of us are going to require a good three, four hours to really dig out and get to the point where everything is functional. So tomorrow's probably written off and Wednesday. We're fortunate we'll be able to get a full day of work in Wednesday. kind of a bummer then. <clears throat> so, but so that's what's going on weather-wise. What are you going to do, you know? What the hell can you do? I reached out, a text message my friend um, Shackman Willie, who does odd jobs around the the office sometimes.
he was homeless to a degree. So I'm hoping that he's okay, safe and sound in the storm. But I, I did reach out to him to see if he could plow the lot. Hey, he's a hard-working guy. I'm sure he wouldn't mind pitching in. So I might still have to hire him tomorrow and the following days, get some salt out, get the lot cleared, and just get back up and run and ready for, for work. Right now, as you can hear, it's not a pitter-patter. Well, it is kind of, it's more of like a ice than it is snow. And so that sucks, man. That can be pretty dangerous stuff. Firstly, because ice can accumulate on power lines, and if we're not careful, we can have power loss, which, you know, shoveling snow is the least of our worries if we're losing power, right? That is no fun, and people could lose heat, and so that's scary. Whatever. Anyway, so I'm heading down the office trying to be proactive. I'll probably get there around 4 p.m., put a couple hours in, clear the lot as best as I can, throw some salt down, and just hope for the best. I like to get the kids out sledding, and that's a really nice sledding hill. Maybe tomorrow we can get them out. Let's see. So, had a pretty good weekend. You know, it was my wife's birthday yesterday, January 31st, 2000, or 1979. Mandy Oberst, Mandy Donnelly Oberst. 42 years old yesterday and let me tell you she's a freaking awesome human being I'm so fortunate to have found her somebody to accompany me through this crazy life and keep me keep my head above water you know be my fan, be my freaking friend be my lover be my uh, voice of reason she is all that she's a wonderful human being So raised a family together been together for 17 years so she's pretty special and like to wish her 42 <clears throat> my other friend Val we haven't been joined at the hip quite like we used to be but she was my DDIP confidant one of my managers there she's a freaking great friend so a gentleman never asks and a woman never tells exactly how old the person is, but she's awesome. So I wish her happy birthday too, and all sorts of other folks who I love and respect whose birthday it was. Happy birthday to all heading down this hill. Slight hill, but yowzers. There's all kinds of... Uh, Plows and such out, really, that's all I'm seeing, which I'm glad about. Got a bobcat there with a nice plow, that's badass. I sure wish I had a bobcat, to my credit. Hold on. Side the shit can, the friggin' light there. Looks like it wasn't really functional. Some sort of issue in the storm perhaps or maybe they just made that 
a uh, solid red yield anyway. I can't see if there's any cops looking to pull me over my rear view mirror here, or my side mm -hmm. mirrors because they're all iced over. Orlina, I think this is Winter Storm Orlina. Uh-oh, what we got going on here? Look at this guy. It never ceases to amaze me you got folks that are out and about in sedans, like they're riding around in a little friggin', you know, little fucking sedans, little cars. Like if you got a truck and you got four-wheel drive, then more power to you. If you're out and about in a sedan, I don't know. That's kind of out of hand, riding in a sedan. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so let's shift gears here. I want to share something with you now. I might have I might have mentioned this guy in the past, but you know how I'm into uh, guided meditations and such. There's this dude. His name is Jason Stevenson, and he's freaking really unbelievable. You know, he's a sounds like he's an Aussie bloke. That's a that's a uh, Australian endearing Australian term for. Um, Dude or man, bloke, B-L-O-K-E. Check out this bloke. So Jason Stevenson is some sort of mindfulness guy, meditation guru, and he does these guided meditations on Facebook, on uh, YouTube. I'm sure he's got a platform elsewhere. He's really good. So he has this whole storyline that he talks you through. There's music in the background. He helps you to incrementally and anatomically kind of relax everything and just let things go. Just makes you feel like, eh, what the hell am I worried about that crap for? He had a, uh, so you should check him out on YouTube. Jason Stevenson. I was listening to one just before. We went out and did some shoveling and came in, had lunch. And I was like, man, I'm just tired. I got shit else to do. I'm just going to go to sleep. Didn't want to look at my phone anymore, you know? So, I did this guided meditation. He's talking about going into, you're wading into this perfect uh, blue lagoon, and you get in there, you do a few laps of a breaststroke very leisurely, and it's so relaxing, you're weightless. And then, um, He's saying that you're just going to let any of your cares, any of your fears, just fall off your body and drop to the bottom of the lagoon. And those thoughts and feelings, that energy, is going to be used by the, nat by the natural world to revitalize itself and repurpose it to do something else with it. It's so great. I mean, that's so, so beautiful, man. That is so awesome. Uh, to hear somebody putting a language to it, you know, to, putting a story to it, how we should relax about stuff. Because we all carrying it. Like, of course, right now I'm thinking about, you know, it's Monday right now. I would be starting my e a busy evening. I had two new patients, my business, da-da-da. 
how is this going to affect the rest of the week? We got to get everybody rescheduled. Listen, there ain't, ain't nowhere to go. That's the thing when you're a businessman, business person, you think about these things because you you imagine how this is going to impact your week now, and it just it can be very messy. Uh, we're gonna have to, but right now we can't really do a whole lot other than do our best to get through this storm, to stay safe. You know, theoretically, I shouldn't even be out in the storm right now. It's fairly calm. And I have four-wheel drive. I'm nice and snug in my truck here. I'm heading down to the office. And I'm going to do some snow blowing just to try to... You have to, you have to be proactive. Otherwise, you know, it'll bite you in the ass tomorrow when I'm supposed to be teaching school or whatever. I'll have to race down here. And so I'm just trying to be proactive. I have the time. You guys understand, hopefully. If not, go fuck yourself. Um, so this guy, Jason Stevenson's really badass. Think about that. Like, the notion that we would take our fears and anxieties and all that, any of that tension and stress, whatever, however you want to term it, you want to describe it, you take that stuff and you just let it fall off of your body. In a weight, in, in the, when you're in a weightless state, treading water effortlessly in a lagoon, perfect temperature. And all that tension is going to melt away to the bottom of the lagoon. And Mother Nature is going to pick it up and do other things with it. She'll revitalize other sources of life. Give that energy to something else. It doesn't belong on you, you know? So that's neat. And what that makes me think about is... Uh, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing, but subjective nature of reality. I read a lot of people that I know and love will say things like, oh, well, I believe that things happen for a reason. Well, well you know, wouldn't we all love to believe that, right? But things probably don't happen for a reason, you know? Especially the random shit like the change in the trajectory of a storm. Hold on. Sorry, whenever I stop these little automatic sensors, they seem to get triggered by the, uh, the weather. Ice or something that's hanging off. I'll clean those off my lights when I get out. But um, So the subjective nature of reality. Things probably don't happen for a reason, especially random things. Like when I think about how wonderful my wife is, and I ponder, wow, what would life be like without her had I not met her? I'm tempted to think, wow, things really happen for a reason. And I met her for a reason and look at my wonderful kids and our family and we're so happy and we've got you know, so much and you know, it's all from hard work and we put in and we make all the right decisions. You want to feel like you have control over your life. But you may not. And that is a horrible feeling for a lot of people. For me, I think that's beautiful. I mean, I wouldn't, don't get me wrong, if bad things start to happen, which of course a lot have, but not directly to me, thankfully, or my family. 
no horrible things. We have the same major stresses as everyone else right now, though. I would start to wonder, wow, you know, what is going on? Did I freaking cross a black cat cross my path or something? Or what have I done to deserve this? <coughs> think about all that but otherwise I feel like it's just life you know we're just kind of surfing along if we're fortunate you know life will life is like a big wave it's a gigantic wave that's coming at you and you can get freaking waffled by it and driven down into the reef below you can allow yourself to be driven down into the reef below or you can freaking turn around get some momentum going and ride the goddamn wave you know surf it all the way to shore and step off high and dry I think about so what's good and what's bad about life being subjective subjective like our reality we kind of, as I've mentioned before, we color, our, our world is colored by our experiences. And so we kind of see what we want to see. You notice that lately, especially lately, with things gone haywire, you've got these, uh, you look at politics, which I try not to, but I see it, I feel it. Um, and you look at you just people, common folk. When they get their ass kicked in various ways, they start to just come up with ways, methods to salvage things. How can I survive? Right? And so we all do this. How can I make it through somehow? How can I survive? Politicians, they scramble for power and they call each other names and they try to, you know, Regardless of what is happening in the world, they try to spin it so that they come out looking good. Like, oh, we, we said it. We're doing the right things. We called it. Da, 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 da. Whether they're right or they're wrong, they always try to position themselves as right. And, of course, Trump was the, was the king of that. He was the king bullshitter. That's not the way to live, I don't think. This is, it is a way where you can just basically, you don't like the, the way the, the plot is going, you just change it. You just say, well, that's not the way it's going, and I'm, to, I don't, you know, that's not the way it is, and it's not going to affect me and my life, and I'm just going to keep going, and uh, I didn't do anything wrong, yada, yada, yada. So you can kind of morph your worldview to just constantly come out on top or looking good, even in a shitty situation. similar kind of mindset that would have people during like a women and children first sort of scenario let's say the Titanic this is like the people who said fuck it women children first I know it's the right thing to do but get out of my way that's my lifeboat fuck you and you know start pulling pistols and shit
So it's the subjective nature of the world. But when I so when I, that's the bad aspect of it. When people just they just say fuck it. This is that's not the way it is. This is the way it is. This is what I'm gonna do. And that didn't happen, and I didn't do that. I never did that. I never said that. So people will lie and just they believe their own lies. They'll start to morph their brain, morph their responses to the world. Just say, just sugarcoat shit. This is what I'm doing. This is the way it is. But the good thing about the subjective nature reality is when I listen to like a Jason Stevenson guided meditation and he's saying, listen, let your that crap and baggage that you have, the problems of the day, just let them float to the bottom of the lagoon now. Let something else take that energy and repurpose it. That is a tremendous notion. Think about it. If you're having a terrible day or a terrible month or a terrible year, terrible life, and you're down on your luck and you got that on your mind, what is the likelihood that you are going to be able to have a good day tomorrow? What is the likelihood that, that anything is going to change? If you are constantly mind-fucked about all the problems you have, how are you ever going to perceive life any different? The answer is you're not. And then bad things are going to continue to happen. And trouble is going to continue. Trouble is going to continue to come your way. Nobody wants that. So be positive. Let your freaking bullshit float to the bottom of that lagoon. Let it go. Especially after you've done your best. Right? That's all you can do. All right, I made it safely here. I'm heading down White's Road. And it is white. Covered with snow. Now it's snowing, whereas up higher elevations in, T in Souderton and Telford, <clears throat> it was icing. Now it's snowing. So I got my snowblower, I got my ramps, I got my gas can, I got a broom, sweep off my truck. I'm going to spend a couple hours down here. Less work I need to do tomorrow, you know? Try, try my best. Let's see. I have another, another idea, another... Uh, podcast-worthy philosophy. I'm going to share it with you real quick. That book that I was reading about um, the Bay, the Bay community, like where I grew up, where I grew up, Forked River, New Jersey. It's called The Bayman, that book. Um, really wonderful book. And it sparked a conversation between myself and a bunch of uh, my peers, people I grew up with. Look, it's a bunch of sledders out. Awesome at the park, White's Road Park. So, this book was really good. It's got me talking with some old classmates about just recounting how when we grew up, the way things were. It was a fucking awesome place to live. You had all these opportunities to recreate. There's the one of you, the bay, you got the freaking Pine Barrens, you go out there, Endless miles, just hike, bike, 
ride around your pickup truck, go four-wheeling out there, take your uh, dirt bike out there, go party out there, grab a keg or a beer ball. So it was a great place to grow up, I of course told you about that. I'm sure your hometown was awesome too, you know, you have many fond memories of it. There's a philosophy that this author, Merce Ridgway, talks about, God rest his soul. He says that if you... Well, you know what? I'm going to hold off with this till after I'm done doing some shoveling here. All right, we'll finish this conversation on the way home. All right, I'm back. Friggin'. Coming down pretty good down here in Lansdale. Got about half of the lot done. And a friend of mine came along in a pickup truck who was contracted to do my friend across the way with the hair salon. And we were kind of a package deal, so we help each other out. He's going to do it. He said, you can pack all your shit up if you want and just leave. <laughs> it works for me, man, you know? That way I can go home, power down my snowblower. I'm sure we have even more snow coming overnight. Whatever it's gonna take, I gotta give this a guy. Yeah, it's my friend Kevin. So he's a good freaking guy, this guy Zeb. He was a major uh, force as a quarterback in town. North Penn High School, and a good friend of a friend, one of my instructors, Iron Mike Moore, so he's a good man. Just want to swing by the office one more time to make sure that I shut the front door, and I'll get the hell out of here. Yeah, the snow's still coming down pretty good. It's 4.30 now, so I was at that for about an hour. It was actually going pretty well. Well, that's good. Yeah, it looks like it'll be on its way out by tomorrow. I'll just salt the hell out of the lot and continue to plow it if need be. Or shovel it. And then Wednesday we should be in business. Be able to take care, get back in the office. And comes the big catch-up. Trying to get my momentum back here, serve all these folks who were on the schedule today that were unable to be treated. I'm sure they're happy home, snuggled up, but after all this shoveling, people are going to need good old Dr. O. Alright, so I'm done, heading home now. Got this little freaking sneaker of a car that is trying to get down this road. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. I'm going to have to go help this guy.
hold on, push this guy out. He makes it, is he making it? Hold on. Man. Had to help this guy with a little uh, sneaker of a car. <laughs> I don't know where he's going. He's driving all around. He was trying to get into this back road, which is a dumb move. All these businesses are closed. I had a you know, try to push him into the back road, then I said, fuck that, push him back out onto the main road. Scary for him, there he goes, he's like, man, I ain't going, I'm trying to get down these back roads. I think I'm heading home now, my friends got my snowplow guy gonna friggin hook us right up everything will be squared away for the most part prepared for a Wednesday start got some exercise heading home to snuggle up so I was talking about before I pulled up to the office this guy was the author of that the Bayman book he's talking about He is talking about the prerequisites to being a philosopher. So he essentially says that, let these folks cross. Yeah, fuck that. Um, he essentially says. that in order to be a philosopher you have to remove any emotion as to the subject you're dealing with right which is almost impossible <laughs> you know it's like an ideal an idealistic appraisal of a situation that i can just i don't take the emotion out of it <laughs> When I was uh, 10 years old, I was attacked by a dog, and now I hate dogs. But I should take the emotion out of it, because not all dogs are vicious. That's just a hypothetical. I love dogs, especially when they attack me. But think about that, though. There's a type of conditioning, maybe a stressful event something that guides whatever subject we're considering. And we're supposed to maintain even keel when we think about that and try to... Uh, there's that guy again, he's fucking turned around, he's gonna make a second pass, try to get back into his wherever he lives. Good luck, man shouldn't be out in this shit if you don't have a four-wheel drive like me cowboy luke style baby heading home so uh 
how the hell are you supposed to do that, right? But, so he, he writes that a philosopher must remove the emotion, otherwise he's not going to be able to see clearly, you know, the facts of the case. He'll just see the facts as they respond, as they apply to him. All right, so that'd be his his view, his appraisal. Use that phrase for the second time of the situation. I think that there is just so much of that right now. Yes, people are seeing the world how they are, not how it is, and making some poor decisions. Earlier, I mentioned the subjective nature of reality. This is more or less what I'm talking about. So a philosopher is someone, yes, who ponders the big questions, who tries to do the intellectual heavy lifting involved to really, truly understand the situation. It's no small task. certainly is no small task. But I think that's the right way to operate. As it pertains to the Bayman, well, this guy was a shellfish, he was a shell fisherman for 40 years on the Barnegat Bay. So he knew everybody and you know, he was talking about how there was a code that you lived by. It basically was that you need to operate above board. You needed to um, treat others well, and folks would trust you. But if you were, say, somebody who, you know, you bring your clams to market, and whoever you were selling selling them to was giving you whatever, uh, twenty five cents a clam, ten cents a clam. And you said you had a thousand clams, but you really had 975 clams. So you round it up, and at the expense of the clam purveyor, right, they would notice that, and they'd call you a short. You know, somebody who would try to try to pass by more value than they actually had provided. And then everybody, whoever was, was going to be buying whatever the source would be that would buy your seafood, they wouldn't buy it from you anymore because they wouldn't get a fair price. You know, they wouldn't get a fair shake. And so that is a problem. Anyway, you live by a code. You um, treat others well. He also, Merce Ridgeway, he also had some dealings with the government, which its task was to regulate the catch, all right, or the, the the environment of the Barnegat Bay, which, by the way, has been described by another author as a closed sea. Now, what that means, and I didn't even know what it means when I bought the book, but very interesting book by like an, a PhD ecologist studied bays his entire life and he was saying that um, a closed sea is what you would dub it because 
you've got the ocean, and they had a fierce storm. That the, the Barnegat Bay has been there for 40,000 years, let's say. And people have been there for about that same period of time. So the Barnegat Bay has been even preceded to people, of course. What happened was a storm kicked up a bunch of sand from the, from the shore and deposited it miles out to sea. So you have the sandbar and the currents, prevailing currents and all that stuff. They build up and up and up and up and until you've got an island. And there's a barrier island. It's a very common phenomenon. Uh, but you can imagine, if you understand anything about waves and the ocean, how or have ever stood in the breakers as the um, the ocean pulled back as, the, as the, uh, the current took back out, took the water back out to sea. You know that there are incredible forces there. Now imagine that magnified. You have a nor'east, nor'easter storm or something like that. And the amount of winds and water, it, it can do crazy things like this. Big nor'easter. So deposits this, this sand out to sea several miles. Then you get uh, the beginnings of a, a sandbar. A sandbar gets built upon. And then you have a barrier island, which is what Long Beach Island is. So a closed sea is, means that, other than some inlets that would allow the ocean to go into the bay with the tides, there's also creeks and rivers and stuff that empty into the, the land side. And so you've got water coming, draining from the land, You've got water coming in with the tides. You've got an exchange of, of that aqueous environment, basically uh, flushing it constantly with water and marine life and really cool. And when I study the, uh, the human body with my A&P classes, I think about this because, wow, man, Fluid and electrolytes on Earth, fluid and electrolytes in our body. There's uh, something called a, f a fluid shift, which is where um, the flow of blood through from our heart and great vessels down to the smallest capillary, that blood is going to communicate with our cells and drop off all kinds of raw materials and take um, other materials away waste products and such, and so there's constant, we, then we, you know, I'll go home after being dehydrated, uh, shoveling snow for hours, and I will have to replenish with water and, you know, get some food in me, and by doing so, we deliver nutrition to our cells, the body, same thing that happened with the ocean and the Barnegat Bay, or any, with any barrier island, so really, really cool. Anyway, I'm talking about the Barnegat and the environment. The government's job was to regulate the environment, make sure we weren't polluting it, we weren't taking more than than could sustain itself there, and, and we failed. They failed, you know, because development developers came in and they would build developments on marshes and all kinds of shit. It's just the way things happen. Human beings, being such a dominant species, we we take more than we give. 
But anyway, the government's role was to regulate this body of water, and these uh, baymen were actually out there cultivating their crops. They were basically farmers on this uh, inland sea. And so they would notice when the, uh, the clams were down, or the crabs were down, or you said that there was one area where they were clamming and their hands felt like they were burning after a couple days working in this area. And it was something unique to that particular body of water. And they put gloves on, and everybody, everybody's hands were burning. So it must have been some sort of chemical, an irritant, whatever, that was uh, propagated or dumped into that area. So that's pretty crazy. So he had a lot of run-ins with various um, government officials because they weren't living according to the code either. They were kind of looking the other way and uh, didn't respect the bay and didn't ultimately didn't respect the bay. <clears throat> they weren't they weren't standing by the environment. So as a philosopher, you have the sense you make of the world and that drives your character and how you you live and how you give to your community, how you give and take. If you, you know, are just a taker, well, you're going to go out there and take your clams and everybody else's share of the clams, and you're going to, you know, whatever, destroy the environment, not respect the, the catch, the, the ocean, um, and everything that is at work with these uh, bodies of water. So it was nice to see somebody who was, I'm not going to say just a fisherman, but you think about like foundational um, foundational occupations. Think about somebody who's just a fisherman. They go out, every day they bring home their fresh catch. And sometimes, sometimes they catch a shitload and sometimes they don't catch anything. But they learn the ways of the water and they learn about their catch and they realize that if they take too much, it might not be there next time. Like the seed clams and stuff. You get the clams. If it's a too small, then you leave it there. These clams live for decades. You want to harvest them before they're ready to eat. Before they're, they've had an opportunity to um, you know, propagate the their own, have baby clams, you know, and so there was a lot of that, this is all just an analogy for me, it just makes me think about these things, like I, I've, I've been pondering about this book and what makes it special, and I come to the conclusion that as human beings, when you think about what, how we subsist, how we survive on this planet. You got hunters and gatherers and fishermen and farmers and builders and all these foundational trades 
tradespeople, crafters, cooks, whatever. When you think about those occupations that have to do with the foundational aspects of life, like you're a fisherman, that is such a, a uh, there's such an opportunity to philosophize at, if you function in one of these capacities, like I'm a fisherman. This is where our proteins come from. This is how we feed our community and raise our families as a fisherman. Not that there's anything that's not noble about being a chiropractor or, or you know, a teacher or whatever. Every occupation has its, has its importance, especially in the times where, you know, where you live. This is 2021. But, somebody's a freaking fisherman, man. I'll close up with this as I'm heading up Little Ingram's Hill. I'm going to take all my concentration and that of Black Betty, fierce friggin' V8 Ram here. Um, he says that at one point, as his 40-year career of being a clamor on the Barnegat Bay, as it came to a close toward the end of his tenure there, he would be out on the bay and uh, doing his work, and then he would see in his peripheral vision that there was you know, a shiny object, a boat or a jet ski or whatever, coming really close to him. And they would slow down deliberately to see, you know, just to take, take in what was going on here. Like, wow, look at this old man in his old boat, wooden boat. They're like in awe. It would be like driving down the road in a Model T Ford in a time of Teslas. And he said he conditioned himself. He would get angry and, and anxious about when he felt people eyes on him and gawking at him and regarding him as like some antique, which he was. But he developed a like a, a meditative strategy that would allow him to uh, to just tune it out, so he wouldn't even notice them gawking at him until. One time he, he looked and he didn't, he, he was trying to tune it out, but they, they kind of came up on him and there were three girls in a boat and their titties, they were completely naked riding around. <laughs> and he said he, he took a little look at them and he said that was a special moment. But um, for the most part, he tuned things out. Maybe he subjectified his reality there, right? He didn't want to see certain things. He didn't want to see the decline of the bay and decline of his catch and the piney way of life. You know, it's all very interesting. There's a lot there for the taking in this conversation. I apologize for the interruptions, but I got to head home now. Head on up the hill and then do this all again tomorrow. I'm, I'm happy though to have a friend um, shovel my damn driveway at the office. Saved me a lot of time and effort. And just like that, it's almost dusk. Almost time to settle down for the evening. 
everybody have a good snow day. Be safe out there. <laughs>